Thanks for engaging with the Open Life Talks, whether you're on the Open Life Church app or you're listening through iTunes. You know, we know that life can be overwhelming, but we found that true life and peace of mind can come from a growing relationship with Jesus. So thanks for taking the time to listen or watch today's talk. You know, this is part of our James Summer Series, and so we are walking through the book of James verse by verse. We also have some additional resources that we want to put in your hands. Go to any app store, download the Open Life Church app, then from the front, front page, make sure you click on the button open daily. And we have some cool daily devotionals that we want you to read along according to each week that you're listening to or part of. So we encourage you to do that. Here is today's talk. Crazy to think that we've made it almost all the way through James and welcome to the second to last Sunday of it. My name is Thad and excited to dive into James 5, 1 through 6. And this is a crazy segment of passage to walk through. You'll enjoy it. It'll be fun. Uh, Just think of this. The Bible is an equal opportunity offender, right? Uh, At some point in time, we're going to read through the text and go, ouch, that kind of is... It, that, that hurts good, right? And it's like a good workout today when we read through this. Listen, it's pretty interesting. It's a warning to the rich. Don't turn your ears off, though. Here we go. It says, look here, you rich people. Weep and groan with anguish because of all the terrible troubles ahead of you. Your wealth is rotting away. Your fine clothes are moth-eaten rags. Your gold and silver are corroded. The very wealth you were counting on will eat away your flesh like fire. Anybody encouraged yet? Anybody built up, feeling the grace and mercy of the Lord? Continues on. This corroded treasure you have hoarded will testify against you on the day of judgment. For listen, hear the cries of the field workers whom you have cheated of their pay. The cries of those who harvest your fields have reached the ears of the Lord of, heavens, of, <laughs> of the heaven's armies. You have spent your years on earth in luxury, satisfying your every desire. You have f- fattened yourself for the day of slaughter. Now this is getting really personal right there. Uh, you have condemned and killed innocent people who do not resist you. Wow. It's easy to hear a text like that, one, and just go, that was harsh, right? But on the other hand, you can read a text like that and go, that's not me, and just keep going, right? But when you consider humanity and all of humanity, you realize really quickly we need to think again, because globally, we are the rich. We are absolutely the rich. I don't know if you've ever gone on the, the global rich list or global wealth list. If you just go try to search, like, what number am I? I remember doing this first when uh, the whole, like, 1% camps were happening. Like, let's stick it to the 1%. You know, the, that movement was happening in all the big cities. And, and I was like, well, where am I on the global wealth list? And so I Googled it, and I put in my income, and I was like... I'm the 1%. Like, this is, like, I'm the guy. Like, I'm the man that they're sticking it to, you know? And then you just start to look at, like, the details. You punch in the details, and we're the wealthiest. So let's just take a 40-hour work week, 
52 weeks a year, and let's measure a minimum wage person's employment. You know, if you, let's say they make 24,000 a year, minimum wage-ish uh, salary if they're not working any overtime, 40 hours a week, 52 weeks a year. They would land in the top 2% of the global wealth. Like they're in the top 2% of the wealthiest people on the planet living today. Kind of hard to put your mind around the fact that that very person could fund, like on the global wealth list, it tells you that person at $24,000 a year, you could pay 104 annual salaries for physicians, doctors in Kyrgyzstan. You could employ that many with one year salary. Isn't that crazy to think? So now, I don't know if you, the, the big tax on the companies in Seattle moment when that happened and then Pierce County came out and said, let's stick it to King County and Seattle. And they said, hey, if any businesses employ five or more employees at a living wage of $65,000 or higher, we'll give them a $250 tax credit or whatever it was. You know, they're battling on who can give credits or who can tax more. And when they did that public statement, their target for a living wage was $65,000 a year in Pierce County. So let's take that number. Where does that fall on the global wealth list? You're in the top 0.15%. So you're way into the 1%, right? At just $65,000 a year. Which means in Kyrgyzstan, you could employ 283 doctors. Isn't that crazy to just put... Like, it's humbling when we've been reading throughout James about humbling ourselves. And, and really, again, this is another passage on repentance. Kind of saying, okay, this, this is where I'm really at, God. I'm sorry. Like, if you really let this sink in, if we just pause right here in the talk and go, oh, my goodness. I could make a difference in somebody's life. There is someone on this planet that by my lack of generosity, I may have impoverished. And we just kind of take a humble moment, right? Because we are the wealthy. In this story, we're the rich people. And then we kind of go, okay, so what did James say again? Because, okay, I guess I need to, I need to pause and hear this a little closer. That allows us to kind of receive what's in here. And although it's not an easy text, it's one we all need to hear, no matter where we're at in our generosity lifestyle. And it's one that uh, has a bunch of keys today that'll help us understand like the heart of what's, what's behind this instruction. And, and when it comes down to it, that's our, our big idea is what's behind this. And the big idea today is God wants your whole heart. And often in scripture we see this tie-in to our heart and our love and how we behave around things involving wealth. This like luring of our heart and distraction of our heart. Uh, we make decisions that lean us towards this, this heart that is divided away from God. And so James is once again very, very abruptly drawing those who are wealthy's attention into this conflict 
of what wealth can do to our hearts. And, and the reality that God wants our whole heart is the heart behind this. So let's carry over a little from last week where it even involves some of the sin of omission. Like, I know what I should be doing, but I'm not, that's one part of my life I'm not ready to open the hand of. And so James is going after that. It's like this rollover that we need to not forsake the reality that we probably have some margin we could create, need to create, and maybe consumed ourselves when, when we had an opportunity to pass it on to others. God has not provided for you 100% of what you have so that you could keep it all to yourself. He's provided us, you and me, he's the giver of all good things. Like, he's provided us with the skills we have to do the work we have. We're created in his likeness and image, scripture says. So what we do is like a gift from him. And the opportunity we then have to honor him and, and, and worship him with our generosity is right there in front of us. And that's, that's what James is going, hey, you've, you've been keeping it all yourself. And, and there's an opportunity here for you to bring that into alignment. It's interesting when Paul is teaching one of his mentors in, in the books of First and Second Timothy. He does this one teaching in, in First Timothy 6, verse 17. And he says this uh, to his, his student, Timothy. He says, teach those who are rich in this world. Again, that's us. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud, not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. So he's the giver, right? Our enjoyment. He still wants us to have fun and enjoy life. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be strong, or they will... They will not strong, they could be, but they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Wow. Due to where we live in the U.S., in this part of the world, we are prone to make decisions that place our trust in wealth, to place our trust in treasures, and even in this day, Paul's encouraging Timothy that that was happening then. He's saying, man, help those understand that there's going to be a battle for their heart, and God wants their whole heart. This is a battle worth fighting for, and uh, this is what you, how you can do it. You know, and he ties these instructions of generosity into the cure of our heart being lured away from God. And, uh, and so we just look into this and go, man, what's our response to things that involve finances? When I see another levy for a fire department this fall on a ballot, do I just go, they want my money? Or is it like, kind of would be convenient in Tahale to have the fire department show up before I die? You know, and so you kind of weigh these things and you, you go, okay, maybe I should check this box, you know, or, or if we see another school levy. Our community is great. Our community is phenomenal at, uh, you know, saying yes to moments of generosity, at supporting causes. When people are sick or come down with cancer, you see gyms filled up with supporters and t-shirts. It's incredible. But the challenge is, 
where was our heart? Was it willing? Was it urgent? Was it participatory in that? Or did we have this unction of another fundraiser, right? And we've got this challenge tug on us. Maybe take it this way. I was listening to a podcast recently that was talking about supporting local vendors and local artists. And, and it's like, do we give in and, and become, you know, fill our house with art from the back department at Marshall's? Or do we find a local artist who's trying to, to come out with their, their art and choose to support them, although it might cost four times as much? just to be about giving back. It's actually a really interesting movement globally where people really want to know origins and how things were made and whether it was, you know, done in a way that was not robbing people or making them work slave labor, you know, so that is a movement. And it goes back to this heart of supporting local, supporting people who are, you know, not being enslaved and just being conscious. What am I doing with my money? Am I the guy impoverishing the worker that James speaks of because I bought coffee from the wrong company or because I purchased this phone or because I upgraded this? You know what I'm saying? And when we start to research that, it's eye-opening, and then we have a decision. Do I change my behavior or do I put blindfolds on and act like I'm not hurting people? It's crazy. Proverbs 11.25 says, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And if you've ever just done an impromptu act of generosity, you know that's true. <laughs> you know, you, you give a sandwich to the person asking for a meal, and you're like, you walk away going, that felt really good. That, I don't usually do that, but that felt really good, Right? It, you, it, it's that moment where you're going, okay, those who give do receive more than those who receive. It's just the reality. It doesn't matter what you give. It's the gift that does the refreshing. And when you look into that, sometimes the most expensive gifts where we think, well, once a year I'm going to give a lot to this cause or I'm going to do this. If we just spot generosity, if we do that lifestyle, then we're going to be missing out on a lot of little moments that we could have made a huge impact just with a, a name shared, just with something that doesn't even involve finances, but we live a generous, spirited life. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you'll always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he'll provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. You know, it all comes down to that. 
I mean, we sometimes are reluctant in giving and developing a generosity spirit. But then when we give it and we see the people impacted by it, world of difference. All of a sudden we realize, that's why I did this. It's like going through the line at Big Give and carrying meals to cars. And you're like, that's why we gave to Big Give. That family was just blessed beyond what their words could even express as they tear up and say thank you. Our lifestyle is not a neutral or personal action. It has a global effect on others. And James is really trying to elevate that reality when he's saying, man, you've impoverished people and they're crying out to God. And we go, but how have I impoverished people? By probably living off our, of the 100% of what we get and not being generous to others. Unfortunately, we are tempted to give in to some decisions with our finances that pull our hearts from God. So we're going to look at three of these decisions and then give us an action point to, to move out of this text. And then we're going to have some donuts today. It's donut day at church because we need the encouragement of a donut after six passages like this that are just gut punching us, right? We're like, okay, it did talk about living in luxury and fattening up, and we're going to give you donuts at the conclusion of the service. I don't know. I should have rethought that. Anyway, decision number one that we make that lures our hearts from God is to keep up with the Joneses. An old term. I don't know where it came from. But just it's the reality of, fit, you know, we, we try to be this image of family or uh, whatever that, that we feel we have to be to fit in, to keep up. We don't want to be left behind. We don't want to not have that house that we picture a healthy family being in or not attend that school that we think our kid would do well in sports in or not, you know, and so there's all these pressures to get them into the university they need to go to and, and you know, some compromise and they choose Wazoo instead of UW, but, you know, it just happens when you... Okay, I'll move away from that. We'll move away from that. Football season's so close, so I just had to go there. Could talk ducks and huskies. We're going to leave it alone. Leave it alone. Too much, too much. Too, too painful already. Um, but we do. We look at these decisions we make. You know, man, they have a travel trailer. Families have more fun when they have a travel trailer. I need to get a travel trailer. So we get a travel trailer, and then it's like, how do I make the payments on the travel trailer? Oh, I need to store this travel trailer. How do I pay to store this travel trailer? You know, or, um, you know, that man, people, I hear the boats from our house on the lake. Man, I need a boat. I need to go out on the lake. It's sunny. I should be on the lake. Why am I not on the lake? Other people are on the lake. Maybe happier families are on the lake. We, we get a boat we can't afford. We finance it. We, you know, and you go out there and it's like happy family, happy people are on the lake. You know, even if they lose their cell phones off the back of the boat, they're on the lake. Right, Ed? Anyway, so, uh, you know. He now uses a flotation device for his phone, right? Okay, moving on. Um, learn the lesson. That's it. You learn the lesson. Uh, you know, oh man, that family's been to Disney twice this year. I haven't been for five years. Got to get back to Disney. Got to get the family. I'll only have a good family if they go to Disney again, right? It's just like, oh, yeah, how much is it to get into Disney for a family of six? got to take out a loan for Disney. <laughs> it's just, you're like, shoot. Um, you know, it's just, oh, they have snowmobiles. It's winter. That's right. They've stored those for nine months and they're going to pull those out. I need to pull those out of storage for nine months and go snowmobiling. You know, it, it's never ending if we're going to do that. Now, having those things is not sinful. Having those things is not wrong. It is, though, if we're over exceeding our expenditures in order to just fit 
in. That's what keeping up with the Joneses is. We know what it is, but let me remind you. Do you give in to that pressure? The Huff family is frugal. We're the family that shows up to like team photos and don't order the team photos. That, we're that cheap, right? I'll, bring, I'll even bring my own camera to the team photo session and be now the photographer because it's the same guy making bank off all the suckers that pay for the photos. And he's the same guy every time. He's like, oh, Thad, here, I'll get out of your way. You know, do you want the flash? You know, I feel embarrassed. I'm like, thanks, dude. Appreciate it. You're awesome. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm the cheap guy. Because why do I need a photo of, of the next type of pose, you know, that they have? Whatever sport. I'm like, that's expensive. With the first kids, it was tempting. And they're like, everybody else is getting the photos. Yeah, so, you know, back to school photos, same deal. Kids, stand on the front, look good. I'm taking your picture. We'll develop it at Costco. It'll be golden. You know, it's like, I'm not going to do that thing and pay for the photos at school. Suckers. Anyway, so that's just like the way we roll. You know, and we just like, why? 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 I ask those questions. And the things in themselves are not sin. Maybe a challenge for us in this area instead of trying to outpace our neighbors and stuff, would be to outpace our neighbors in generosity. What would that look like in experiences? What would it look like for our neighbor to go, yeah, we went to Disney again. And you're like, oh, yeah, man, uh, we went to Indonesia for two weeks and, and led a Sunday school in a graveyard and watched people who aren't allowed to hear the gospel to like, be encouraged and light up because they understand somebody loves them. Oh, yeah, well, Mickey was cool. And you're like, you speak back to him in Bahasan Indonesian. They're like, what did you just say to me? You know, uh, you could do that. Or, uh, you know, there's, there's so much opportunity out there that, man, if you, we redirected a ton of the funds that we spend on ourselves and our lifestyle and invested that into the kingdom of what God can accomplish to push forward the message of Jesus around the world. Those are the voices crying out that are being spoken here. Those who've never heard the gospel in unreached people groups around the world. Those exist. People live in places where nobody's ever come and told them that God sent his one and only son. They've never heard that message. And the little tiny amount of money that could take that message to them would, would just... If you've ever watched Schindler's List, and at the end of Schindler's List, he's sitting there going... If I would have just given this, you know, it would have saved somebody's life. I believe that's going to be us someday. We could allow that day to happen now. And just go, oh man. Okay, thank you, James. This passage is awkward, uncomfortable to read. But I could, I could forsake some things I'm spending on me and bring myself into a biblical alignment. What was God's challenge? He put into place something way in the beginning of the Bible that allowed us to kind of keep our heart in check. He called it like first fruits, then called it tithing. And it was basically, he would challenge people to give 10% of the first income. Like when they're paid, that they would give their first fruit, the first 
apple of ten apples they would give to God. They still got the nine apples to do with what they want. Later on, he would say, you know, actually, uh, I still want that first apple, but I also want you to leave some margin around the edges of your field so the poor and the foreigner among you would have some food as well. And so then he challenged them to give above and beyond that 10%, if you will. And still today, churches like us and others promote tithing. 10%, giving 10% of your income. And it's interesting because it's this practice that is just basically keeping our heart in alignment with God. It, and it, some churches will do it apologetically, not us, because we see the benefit of it. We just say, man, I'll give you a 90-day tithe challenge. You know, it's like the third link on the next steps page. And, and go try it. Go try to give. God says in one of the books of the Bible, test me in this. If you do not see the floodgates of blessing open up from practicing, realigning your heart by giving 10% of your income, then, you know, what we say, it's unbiblical, but we do it anyway. We say, hey, tithe for 90 days if you've never done it and it doesn't make a difference in your life, we'll refund all the money as long as you signed up before the 90 days so we know you're doing it, right? Because we'll just set it aside until that 90 days is up and see what's the difference in your life. I mean, it's, it's that big of a challenge for God, so we make it that big of a challenge for us. And we, we have this way, what I, it doesn't make sense because it's only 10%. You'd think if he wants our heart to be balanced, he would have asked for 50, right? Right in the middle. But no, just 10. He's like, I bet if you give 10% of your income, your heart won't be lured into a bunch of these decisions that lure others. It's like he just blesses us. So that's, I find that the 90% goes way farther than the 100. But it's also because then my heart's in the right spot. So he challenges us with this. When we live to keep up with the Joneses, we pull our hearts from God and, he, and hoard, basically. The second thing, the second decision we make is we then trust in things. We put our trust in things instead of God. It happens all the time. We do it with medicine. We do it with material belongings. And we can't take any of it with us, it says. First Timothy 6 says this in verse 6. Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can take nothing with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Not money, but the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. I've told this story before. But the way I gave my life to the Lord is at an Amway convention. Anybody else make that? Oh, I'm the only one in the room. That's awesome. Not to be embarrassed, but I have some circles I want to draw you on. The, on no, I'm just kidding. So I, if you've never been in a room with somebody that surprised you and, and wanted you to pitch a business with you, I was that guy, right? I was the guy pitching a business because I really honestly understood the power of wealth and started reading books on wealth, and I was like, I want to get wealthy. I want to find out how people got wealthy. And I asked a guy that was wealthy how he got wealthy, and it was an Amway. So I started pursuing that. 
and I started being mentored by people who were incredibly wealthy and had this lifestyle of extravagance and went on incredible vacations and had amazing cars and houses. And, and I remember when one of them, uh, they were building this huge mansion in Utah, and the, um, the wife fell from the stairs before it was finished and broke her back. And although there were always church like services at the end of these conferences and there was always testimonies of how people you know thanked God for their wealth he gave like an entire hour talk on how if he wasn't rich this would have really thrown him for a loop but he could afford the medical care that was necessary now that she was paralyzed and they could afford the put an elevator in now and they could afford and nothing of thank God she didn't die right and I felt this check one of the other reasons I felt a check is I began to show up in cities to present like this Amway business of wealth plan and track to people. And it's like people in the room were like, yeah, we need money, but we really just need hope. And you're like, I'm not going to draw circles. I'm going to draw a cross right here in the middle of two precipices. And the way to get across is Jesus. And I'm like presenting the gospel instead of a business plan and leading people to Jesus all over the Northwest. And I'm like, what's going on here? I'm no longer making money. I'm leading people to Christ. And I began to talk to my pastor. And I began to go, I think I'm called the ministry and not business, right? And... And he was like, well, this is the route. And so I'm debating my calling. And in the process of debating my calling and praying about that, I talk to some of the millionaires I'm being mentored by, and I say, hey, I'm debating this. And I remember the words of this office store owner become Amway wealthy guy that sold his office business. And he said, Thad, if you want second best, go ahead and go into ministry. And I just paused, and I was like, what? And he said... If you really want to make a difference, you need to become wealthy because money is what will save people. But if you want to do second best and just kind of work on people's faith, go down that road. And that was the day I ended being involved in Amway, you know? It was like this moment that I was like, that, and that's my te Amway testimony, guys. <laughs> I'm a diamond in the Lord's eyes. Um, but anyway, if you've ever been a part of Amway, you get that inside joke. Uh, but I, so I look at this and I just go, man, I, I, there's nothing wrong with people who do Amway for right motives. For those of you I just offended that are in Amway in the room. But the, uh, you know, my story was one of my mentors leading me down this path of trusting money 100% and only money. And not trusting God. Even though they were bringing the very speakers in to speak, it led me to Jesus. I gave my life to the Lord at this Goads concert on a Sunday morning hearing their testimony. And I was just floored and humbled and said yes to Jesus. So I look at this and I go, how can we keep from getting distracted by this? It's so easy to put our trust in money and our income and the stuff and say this is what's important and and I need this, and I want this, and man, let's, if we live on the needs, and even question all of those we think we need, like, do we really need that cable package? <laughs> That's what we keep asking. Anyway, so, um, but the Pac-12, how do I get Pac-12 network, you know? Anyway, uh, back to you, Dub. That's the reason. 
Um, so it's like, you know, but it's so expensive. And what could we do with that extra $40 a month and that, that could really make a difference in somebody's life? Because the cries of those were robbing or crying out to God. Like, it's, it's funny to joke about, but very serious. And I go, oh. So I think the, the, the thing I land at here and my challenge for you within this thought and this decision is can you pray for the ability to hold things loosely? I just envision this open hand. Like, are we open-handed with stuff? And it rolls right into decision number three that lures our hearts away. The decision to not do what we know we ought to do. And that's what we talked about last week in conclusion, right? Do what we ought to do. But oftentimes we, we don't do what we know we ought to do. And the reason we don't is because we're holding too tightly to something. And it could be, man, I have two open bedrooms because all the kids are at college and I know there's a thousand kids that need foster homes in our county. I mean, it, it's serious. I could tithe, but I, I use that 10% for my annual vacation to Disneyland, my third one. <laughs> you know, I could, I could go on a missions trip, but then, man... That boat I was going to buy, I wouldn't really be able to afford it. I could, I could loan my car out, but I'm afraid it might get scratched. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's gonna. We did. We loaned our car out, and it got scratched, and the window got blown up by a firework. It was awesome. Good thing we had free windshield replacement. And the, what's amazing, when we finally sold that car, it sold for about $1,600 more than I thought we were going to get for it. And I just go back to God and say, thank you, Lord. Right? Like, you're amazing. You're our provider. You, you reward the generous. If we get past saving up for us, 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 and self, 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 and just open up our lives and our hands. God's going to do some incredible things through us, and our story is going to be way better than keeping up with the Joneses. And you'll look at that boat, or you'll look at that vacation cabin, or you'll look at that whatever, and you'll go, this was really the difference in my life. Oh, man, am I glad I read James 5, 1 through 6, and was offended by it, and then thought about it, and then prayed, and then followed the action thought. Because the action thought today is decide to live generously. Super simple. That's in spirit. That's in tangible reality. And we say open life is about, you know, it's about connecting, it's about serving, and it's about sharing. I mean, this is at the heart of share, a spirit of generosity. What does a spirit of generosity result in? Giving our whole heart to God and the things he's about in the world around us. That's what generosity is. Now I love that Kelly's here today giving up her birthday 
for Rescue Freedom fundraiser at Round Table Pizza right after church. Anyway, so, you know, I mean, you look at what people are doing to, to give of themselves because of the cries of people. It's easy to watch the news and, and see, oh, 40,000 people were impacted by another earthquake in Lombok, Indonesia, and they're displaced and they have no home and they're dying in the hundreds, but, you know, can I have another Frappuccino? <laughs> I really need ESPN 20 so those on that island can just pass by like a vapor because I didn't know their names. So I get a little emotional about this stuff when I start to think about the gut punch of a passage like this and it changes the way I behave and I hope it does you. I hope that you can be inspired towards generosity and not compulsed into generosity as the passage challenges in Timothy. No, let it be out of a full heart that you're like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna change some things because I think we can make a difference in the world. And for you, that might be the challenge of signing up for a missions trip. We'll talk about that in a second. For you, maybe that's gonna be uh, taking a step in your giving and saying, okay, I want the local church to make a difference in the community, so I'm gonna start giving to church. Uh, maybe it's grabbing a cause that you're going to be all about, above and beyond giving your tithe, and you're going to start to pursue passionately a cause that's out there and make a difference. For you, it might just be beginning the prayer. God, help me open my, my hoarded fist because I'm holding on to things I know you want to use. Help my heart be wholly yours and let go. I want to pray for all of us. Lord, thank you for the opportunity we have to come today. Thank you for words that are hard like this in the text of Scripture that make us think deeply. And I pray that, Lord, you would open up our minds and our hearts and our spirits to be generous beyond what we could ever imagine being generous. Uh, and that, Lord, we'll discover true life awaits us on the other side of generosity. Like, deep life awaits us. I pray that, Lord, you'll show us the way to be generous. And uh, for some of us, maybe that's entering into a relationship with you for the first time, saying yes to you, like I did in Salt Lake City, Utah, at an Amway convention of all places. But it changed my life that day. And the generosity and challenges and debt that I'm out of now and the things you've done in my life through generosity, I could talk about forever. But Lord, I pray for each person's self-discovery here, the difference they can make in others' lives when they think less of themselves and more of others, what they ought to do, they're all about. And they set aside some of those things that creep in and try to steal our heart from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks once again for engaging with today's talk. 
You know, if you're listening on the Open Life Church app or through the message archive, you can fill out a connect card. Let us know that you're listening, and we would love to pray with you if you have any prayer requests. So make sure you fill that out there. Again, you, from the front page of our Open Life Church app, we have some additional resources, a daily devotional that we want you to be able to have in your hands. So click on that button, open daily, and be encouraged by other people at Open Life who are engaging with the book of James as well. Thanks again for being part of what Open Life is doing, and thanks for taking time out of your day to listen or watch here at Open Life Church.